Petersfield's Shine Radio. Hello, so this is Joe Gray. Some of you may know me as the roving reporter. Obviously, I dip in and out a lot with the news for Shine Radio, often getting clips and news and reading the news and writing the news. And I'm delighted to welcome some of my lovely friends and colleagues here from Shine Radio. These are some of the people that give their time and go out searching for news, gathering news, pulling things together and and also editing, doing the non-fun bits, behind the scenes editing and uploading the news to keep us all in the loop in Petersfield. So let me just run through who we've got here today. We are in the drum, the drum pub, lovely, festive and warm in here, which is a bonus because it is freezing outside. So we have Phil Humphreys here. Hi, Phil. Hi, Joe. We have Alistair Knox Crawford. Hi, Joe. We've got, oh, we've got Stephen Martin. Hi, Joe. Good to be here. Theodora Eleni with us. Lovely to be here, Joe. And, of course, we have Laura Shepherd. <laughs> Hi, Laura. <laughs> Hi, Joe. And welcome, John. This is John Walker from the Petersfield Post. Hi, how are you today? It's, it's a pleasure being here. It's a bit of a change from my usual interviews with Joff, sitting in the cold beer garden of the townhouse. Other pubs are available, and this is one of them, and we're very nicely ensconced in the old drum. So today, some highs and some lows, um, keeping us very busy and on top of our toes. I didn't mean that to rhyme, but it did. <laughs> um, so today, it would be really lovely if we can all think about what our top stories have been, what's touched you the most, what's the most memorable, what you've enjoyed working on, or what's been possibly the hardest um, stories or issues that you've covered. Um, so please, you know, let's, let's all talk about what we've covered this year in 2022. Who would like to go first? I will, I will step forward and, and give you my, my first story. So I think this is, this is a theme that you're going to hear from uh, a number of us this year because of the impact that we've seen from it. And it's concerning the problems in Ukraine. Now, there are some horrible stories to be told, but there was one really cheering story that I covered back in April, which was where the townhouse had a very novel way of supporting the people of Ukraine one beer at a time. Because what they did was they brought a bunch of Ukrainian beers over and sold them at the townhouse. What a great way to support those folk. I asked Molly at the bar about the scheme. So we've got these amazing bottled beers from Ukraine that were from a brewery in Ukraine, obviously. And all of the proceeds all go towards helping the efforts in Ukraine. They have a big, huge selection of them. So we've got variants in the APV. We've got some stouts. We've got some pale ales. We've got some wheat beers. They're fantastic. Um, They're going down really well. And yeah, we've got a big fridge full of them. So, And what should we be ordering? So they're called Var Var Beers. Yeah, we've got a big old fridge full of them, or we can order them on Townhouse website. We can pre-order them. We've got some more coming soon, which are the higher APV ones. So let's have a half, please. And I can assure you, that beer went down very well indeed. Well, amazing. Yeah, of course, anything to do with alcohol, food is a bonus, isn't it? And very much my specialist subject. (laughs) Oh, so you obviously went along in... And drank the beer, obviously. (laughs) I talked to them as well, but mainly drank the beer. (laughs) What's your next story of interest, please, Phil? Well, over the last couple of years when I've been doing the news for Shine Radio, I have carved out a niche for myself, which I'm I'm waiting for the competition 
to, to, to arise for this, say for this you say it. special correspondent role. But I have become Shine Radio's lead naturist correspondent. <laughs> mm. I don't know about lead, I think only. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're welcome to join me anytime. I do remember I had only just started doing the news for your first um, news report, and I remember jokingly saying, and did you participate? Which, of course, you said, yes, I did. And I, I just <laughs> kind of went back in my box at that point. <laughs> so... Uh, there'll be a couple of naked dining events at the Folly, which um, I've covered, or indeed uncovered. <laughs> <laughs> but um, also in August this year, uh, it seems to be a year when almost everybody has had a 75th anniversary for something or other, including, of course, the wonderful Winton Players, the Panto coming on in January, tickets available at popular prices. Uh, plug. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, the Hazelmere Sun Club celebrated 75 years. Um, the Hazelmere Sun Club, located not at all in Hazelmere, um, but nearby in an uh, 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 area that they own with a lovely pool and a clubhouse uh, called Sunny Acres. What is it that you think people would gain from joining a, a club like this, from being part of that naturist revolution? Well, the whole thing about nature is, is being able to relax, being able to chill out, and being able to be a, a, a one with nature, one with the world, be with nice friends. It's just a wonderful existence. You are just 20 minutes' drive from Petersfield. So if somebody wanted to come along on the yes, open day... They need to get in touch via the website, the Hazemere Sun Club, okay, so we know who's coming. They can certainly come for a visit and it's free. Sunnyacres.co.uk it's a, it's a beautiful little spot. It's a very family-oriented club. And I went along and met them and enjoyed some of their facilities. So are we still talking about the sort of non-clothing-related... Well, yes, Aspect. yes. If you want to have the full benefit of the sun, get all that vitamin D on board... And benefit uh, from all the mental health benefits that naturism brings. They feel you know, more relaxed, more at ease in their own skin. Um, so there's, there's now something like 7% of the UK population who identifies naturists. And there's a whole bunch of them out at Hazelmere. And was it sunny when you went? It was... It wasn't blazing hot sunshine, but it was sunny and it was warm enough. I'm so pleased we set up a radio station, not a TV channel. <laughs> <laughs> so am I. <laughs> Fantastic. And have you got any other gems for us? If you listen to the news on Shine, you'll know that we've got a number of regular spots. You know, as you go through the week, you know, there'll be the job spot, there'll be the what's on spot. And it fell to me to get the COVID statistics spot. Yeah, again, there wasn't a lot of competition for that one. Um, but what it means is I've been looking at the stats for COVID in our area, in the Petersphere, throughout the year. So I've been able to watch as they peaked and then declined and declined and declined. So um, back at the uh, start of the year, there were 195 people who had died from COVID in our region. At the end of the year, it's now gone up to 280, which is tragic. But the light at the end of the tunnel is that since the beginning of September, there have only been 11 deaths from COVID in our area. So 
it is slowing. We are getting the better of it. That fantastic vaccination regime that we had at the Festival Hall has played a huge role in that. And hopefully we can look forward to 2023, those numbers staying low and getting lower. And in the nicest possible way, I do hope these reports stop. I hope there'll be no need for them and then you can report on something much more jolly. I would love to do that. But in the meantime, obviously, do keep us updated. So, Theodora, welcome. As you're one of our newest members of the team, how's it been? It's What can I say? It's been fantastic. I've really enjoyed the experience and I've had an amazing time. So I'm really proud to be volunteering for Shine Radio and developing great skills. So part thanks very the, much for having me. Part of the award-winning <laughs> Shine Radio as well. Absolutely, yes, super. So what's been the most notable things that you've covered? Right, I have to say that I haven't covered very much since, uh, you know, because I am very relatively um, new here. So I've picked out three stories that I felt have meant something to me from listening to them. Um, over the past year. And just following on from Phil, one of those um, stories was the um, interview with Dr. Kershaw. And it was about the fantastic COVID vaccination programme that Petersfield had managed to pull together and how successful it was. And it made me realise that what a great community there is in Petersfield and what people can do when they come together um, to, to create a positive change in something that was so negative. So I think that that really resonated with me. And having personally attended there myself, it was so slick and so happy to be, you know, everyone's welcoming and you're in and out. It was a lovely process. As you say, in something that was not a terrific time, it was really positive. Yeah, and it was really good to hear how successful it was and just how positive the whole outcome had been and um, successful as well. The NHS Vaccination Centre has waved goodbye to Petersfield's Festival Hall. The last jabs to be administered in the building went into the arms of local people in Petersfield. Clinical Director Richard Kershaw says our local NHS teams could not have completed the vaccination programme without the hall. It's allowed us to deliver what's been an amazing vaccine programme uh, at a time of need. We've probably done 100, 130, 140,000 vaccines uh, over the period of time. We've hit probably 90% first doses of that, 90% second doses, and now we've hit 90% boosters as well. Um, yeah. You know, and we're now still working down into the uh, the younger age groups. So it, it's really been a phenomenal building for us, and we've been so lucky uh, to have been supported by the Petersfield Town Council. We know that that. That's been a bit of a challenge for them because they've had to put off people who have been very keen on using the building. But uh, really for us, it's, the, it's been the thing that's brought the community together to deliver for our population. Going on to your next um, topic, what's that? Yeah, the, the other interview that I listened to was the one about the um, refugee protest and the deportation to Rwanda. That really, I, I just, it was very emotive interview. Um, we heard from a lady who had... In, experienced the protest firsthand so we had we had little sound bites from her about what she saw which really brought it home we could hear the, the cheering as well of the protesters as well which really brought that home um, and then we heard about how passionate she was um, about the plight of these people who had you know were fleeing dangerous places and were desperately trying to get away but yet were being deported to Rwanda which have um, not don't have a great record on human rights as well. So um, I think 
that story for me brought home that what people are experiencing and I think that's why I've picked this one up. We could see part of the detention block. The people on the road were starting to chant and we started seeing hands waving out of the window and then they started chanting. It is just scandalous that we are considering deporting refugees who've had a horrendous journey to try and get here, who have suffered all kind of inhuman treatment on the way, that we are going to deport them to Rwanda, a country that has a very difficult human rights record. My mother was a refugee at the end of the last war. She had to cross the Baltic Sea, but the alternative was so frightened that she had to make that journey. And that is exactly what's happening all over the world. And do you think it made a real difference actually having somebody talk about their own first-hand experience? Definitely. Uh, and having that, that the, the, the audio of the protests as well um, really just made it more real. And that's part of our job, is bringing the realness to our listeners. And what's your your third story? Yeah, this is a really nice one. So this is about kids planting trees. And it was really nice to hear children doing something positive. And, of course, they're the next generation. So it's nice to hear that they're taking a positive stance. Um, They're being influenced by positive messages around them as well. So it was lovely to hear them planting trees following on from what the Queen had said in her jubilee about, you know, encouraging people to plant trees across the UK. Um, And just at the end of it, they just said, and we're doing it just because we can, and it's a nice thing to do. And, you know, sometimes we don't listen enough to children. And I think, you know, this is a very topical um, subject at the moment about the environment and climate change. And it's just nice to hear the next generation coming through wanting to make a change, and I hope that sticks. There were lots of reasons. So there was the Queen's Jubilee, obviously, because she, I think she asked for trees to be planted around the world, around England even. Also, it's Richard Churcher, who founded Churcher's 300th um, anniversary this year. Also, it's great for the environment. There was a bit about that in the Assembly. And also, just because we can, I mean, it's a great thing to do for lots of people to come down here and do it. Absolutely, and that's the joy of, of us having the the chance to talk to children and, and share their messages with everyone else. Absolutely. It's, it's wonderful. Yep. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Welcome, John. We have a special guest with us today, John Walker here, obviously from the Petersville Post, obviously with a shared interest in the news. And our paths have crossed many a time throughout the year. Indeed, myself and you were at the roadside in Pullins Lane not so long ago. That's right, yeah, and uh, it looks like we're going to be at the roadside again next year, <laughs> seeing how it's progressing. I'm sure there'll be a lot of opportunities to gather again at the Durford Road crossroads. Um, so welcome. Obviously, we're reflecting um, a very strange year. Can you share with us what your notable stories, your highlights have been? Yeah, well, I think there's been uh, three stories that have uh, woven their way through the news during the year. The Swan Surgery has had a a bit of an up-and-down year, as have had uh, our Ukrainian refugee friends. And um, bins, I think, has been quite a topic of conversation across the uh, town and surrounding areas. So if I start with the... uh, Swan Surgery guys, if that's all right with you. They started the year, um, their acute team has got an award for the best service 
and they ended the year with their doctors being the fifth worst in the country for seeing patients face to face. That was according to figures released by NHS Digital. In between times, they uh, wrapped up their COVID vaccinations in the um, Festival Hall, which was a great programme, very well run by them. Them. They uh, vaccinated tens of thousands of people and they also took over the listen lipic surgeries, bringing their patient total to about 32,000 people. So it's been, a, it's been a busy year in the surgery, as it has been for the NHS generally, I think. Uh, and no, no mean feats all round. And obviously seeing the comments from patients, there's been positive support of the staff that work there. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody's doubting the work that they do or their ability of delivering it. The the whole focus of the latest figures from digital NHS Digital was purely and simply about whether patients were seeing their doctors face to face. And the Post has had letters from patients who said, I never saw a doctor, but my treatment was fantastic. So nobody's arguing that what they do isn't working. It's just that they weren't seeing patients face to face. And in an ageing community, people who are older do like to see their doctors face to face, I think, in many cases. And your next account? <laughs> you sound like you're after my money there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll be very disappointed. <laughs> I've spent it all on a turkey crown, so there we go. Um, we worry about our issues, but they're very first world problems. And I think for the Ukrainian refugees who've come to Petersfield, it's been a hell of a year. And uh, they first started arriving in March. And since then, I think there's now about just over 100 of them in the Petersfield area. They've all been welcomed. And uh, that, that welcome came to a bit of a head at the annual Christmas giant charity fair in the TPS school where they had a stall that raised £500 for the refugee for, for a charity in Ukraine that is providing medical um, help to frontline soldiers and civilians there. <laughs> It's very important to feel this uh, spirit of our country, you know, uh, that uh, our men fight for our country and we try to support, uh, to gather some money for them, to buy some important things for them. So in this way we try to encourage. And what reaction have you had from the people of Petersfield? They support us very much. I want to uh, emphasize that it's a really important day for us because we are fighting for our independence and a lot of people uh, has already died uh, that our country will still alive as an absolutely independent country. On the downside, um, some of them are now having to go home because they can't find anywhere to live after their six-month visas have uh, expired. And they can't get jobs that are commensurate with the qualifications that they've got from their own country. There is the language barrier, which probably hasn't helped them. But uh, So it's been a tough year for them, mm. and I think overall 
on Shine Radio and in the Post. We've we've seen that people of Petersfield have come together and helped them in in every way that we can. I mean, I I attended the Sunflower Festival at the Festival Hall earlier this year, and it was very touching. It was a joyous occasion, but also very touching as well, thinking about the reasons we were there. And and as you know, we've we've both been trying to to support in ways we can and and share helpful information, but we can can only hope things improve all around the Ukrainian residents here. Yeah, yeah. Well, I must admit... The temperatures out here now are probably very similar to what they're getting at home, so they can't stay here for the weather. <laughs> and do you have another story for us? Yeah, if you want it. Yes, please. If you're interested. Of course. I yes, think, we are. I think one of the, uh, probably the biggest, or well, most annoying stories of the year, annoying for the people it's affected, has been the um, wheelie bin disaster, or contract, whichever you want to call it. When we started the year in January, East Hampshire District Council was uh, very closely aligned with Haven't Borough Council and a company run by Haven't Borough Council and Norfolk County Council, North South East, was contracted to East Hampshire District Council to empty our wheelie bins at a cost of £30 million for 10 years. At the end of January, East Hampshire District Council decided to uh, divorce Haven't, and then the bin saga really swung into action because it turned out East Hampshire District Council actually had very little control over the contract and uh, things started getting or going downhill. If you chuck into the uh, mix the national lorry driver shortage and the labour shortage in Petersfield. Bins all of a sudden weren't getting emptied because they didn't have anyone to drive the lorries or the man who runs from the bin at the end of your drive to put it to the lorry. So uh, earlier this year, well, in October, I think it was, East Hampshire District Council uh, gave their bin man an 11% pay rise meaning that the uh, the man who runs from your drive to the lorry, his salary went up to 25500 Uh They did this to try and attract people to work for them. In the meantime, they were wrestling to get control of the contract so they could actually have hands-on um, control of it and make sure everybody's bin got emptied. Uh, they finally got the contract back, or or had it rewritten so they were in charge of it. And promptly the freezing weather started, and as a consequence, people weren't getting their bins empty because the lorries couldn't get up the narrow lanes to get to them. Uh, The latest on that is this week, East Hampshire District Council sent out an email to all its residents that are signed up to get these emails saying, if the lid on your wheelie bin is frozen shut we won't be emptying your bin. I know, I, I have received one though, so it's a case of de-icing the car and the bin in the morning. Yeah, I, I think they're kind of going around a little bit in circles with this. It's, in all fairness, it's, it's, it's a grim job getting up at four o'clock in the morning, going out and emptying pe- people's bins. 
and there's not much real benefit or career progression in it. So uh, we shall have to see, I think. But I suspect the bins will still be a topic next year. Well, bins close to my heart. I personally covered a story with regard to the new bottle banks, the smart bottle banks, which apparently if you put all your bottles through the holes, it alerts and triggers them to come and pick it up when it's full. But obviously we've all seen um, the mass collections of bottles that are sort of dumped outside because people either can't be bothered to put them in or they're full. Um, I just wonder how they're going to be after the Christmas period. I think they'll all be overflowing and, yeah, probably right up to the roadsides. <laughs> well, certainly, yeah, I've seen them down in Tesco's in Petersfield. You're exactly right. And these, you're right, again, these bins are meant to have little sensors in. When they fill up, they alert the council who's meant to send someone to come and put a new bin there. That's what's supposed to happen. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for giving us your time today. It's a joy. That's all right. Thank you very much. I should now get back to my turkey crown that I've just cooked. Thank you again, John. Thank you for your time today. Much appreciated. Well, thank you very much. And thanks for putting up with my drivel over the past year. (laughs) It's a pleasure. (laughs) Cheers. And here we have Stephen Martin from Shine Radio. Hi, Stephen. Hi, Joe. It's lovely to be here. What a great team we have. And so many stories bringing back memories from this year. Yeah, it's wonderful, isn't it? Really nice, nice to reminisce. It is. But before uh, you ask me to reminisce, I want to jump in here and ask you about your own stories. You've been asking us about ours, but what's stuck with you, Joe? Because you're on the news desk virtually every day. Oh, I am. You're putting me on the spot now. Um, I think for me, the Platinum Jubilee was a highlight because... I got the opportunity to cover so, so many different things. You know, it was a, a manic week. You know, I, I, one day I, I remember getting up at five o'clock in the morning and was editing and then going to a stand and everything else. But that's by the by. Um, I met the most wonderful lady, Cynthia. She is a local lady, elderly lady, and she told the most wonderful accounts of meeting the Queen as a... As a teenager, she is a similar age to, the, to our Queen, sadly passed. But the level of detail that she could recollect was absolutely amazing and it's well worth listening to. The King and Queen were there and the Queen was wearing what you'd call a crinoline, a dress with a very large skirt. Uh, so this was just after the war when everything was rationed, you know, and you had to have coupons for clothes and all that sort of thing. Queen Mary was there very regal in black lace and necklaces from here to here round her neck and a tiara. She looked quite forbidding. She didn't smile very much. (laughs) And the beautiful one was the Duchess of Kent, who was Princess Marina of Greece. She was wearing the most beautiful sapphire blue velvet with a big uh, brooch, which was a diamond bow, a big diamond bow, which was very pretty. All of a sudden, the Lord Chamberlain came up to me and said, would you like to meet the princesses? So I said, oh, yes, I would. Thank you very much. So he took me across the ballroom to a door in the panelling, coming down a very small, white painted wooden staircase where the two princesses. I knew I wasn't supposed to start the conversation or ask her any questions. And the Lord Chamberlain explained to them who I was and that I was going to Paris. So the Queen, or Princess, 
Elizabeth said, oh, how, how lovely for you to be going to Paris. How exciting. I hope I can go one day or something like that. Now, they, these girls, I mean, she was 19 or 20 and Margaret was, what, two years younger. But I thought it was awfully sad that they weren't invited to the party. But, but and then I was the only young one there at the party. I suppose they thought it wasn't suitable, but they were just not even allowed to look in through, through, round through the door. She remembered the buttons that the Queen was wearing and the princesses were wearing. So we got some accounts of when she first met the Queen and then some more wonderful accounts of when she lived in Paris and met the Queen post-war. Um, and then, rather funny, I, I think most local people have heard of the Kimbers, Mr Kimber with his menagerie of zoo creatures. New people here, I mean, I'm relatively new here, I've lived it eight years and there's this idea that somebody used to have zoo animals here, but it is actually true. It is, yeah. It is, and I had the pleasure of speaking to his son, Brian. Lions, tigers, llamas, bears, foxes, anything. And how were they contained? In very ramshackle-looking cages, although despite the appearance of his equipment, his animals were the best. Yeah. He had the first lion cubs born in England in private in his own back garden. Imagine where Tilmore Railway Bridge is. Yes. On the left-hand side, there's a row of cottages which he owned. And you look at the bedroom window in the morning, and all you see was lions waiting for their food and the monkeys jabbering. Some monkeys escaped one day, and they got into the Catholic Church dome. Oh, my goodness. And they took weeks to get them down. And halfway up Tilmore Road, before the road bridge, on the right, there's an old Mrs McBurney used to live in a, a house there. And he said to her, keep your doors and windows shut, Mrs Me monkeys have got out. So she went indoors, a great big scream came out, and there was a monkey sat on the table eating a fruit bowl. <laughs> and he shared some fantastic photos with me and, and some amazing stories. Again, have a listen to our podcast because it's something not to be missed. Um, and then a secret joy of mine, um, we had um, another volunteer with me, Doug, and we had the pleasure of going into pickets and purses and they put this most wonderful display out of jewellery, platinum, and explained about the origins and why it's so, so very special. And I just fell in love with this ring, which I, I really wanted to take with me, but obviously couldn't. It's just that one account, you know, that one event managed to cover so, so many different things. So I've probably talked way too much and that's just about <laughs> one thing. Yeah, and it's, uh, Joe, it has been a, a royal year, of course, in both positive ways, but of course, this will be remembered as the year that we lost Queen Elizabeth II. And I think the first story that I want to remember is the way that Petersfield responded to that. And, you know, I went out on the morning that the news had broken. There was a book of condolences in St Peter's Church. People were filing through the doors in order to sign that. And I think you you know this because you, you go out with a microphone virtually every day. Sometimes people are quite reluctant to speak on the radio, even about the most trivial matters. But on that occasion, everyone, without exception, was prepared to speak from the heart and very open about the way they thought about the Queen at that time. Well, all I said was, thank you. And um, I do feel it's a very seminal moment because, personally, I think, I hope this country understands about a constitutional monarchy and how it makes us stronger. And what about Her Majesty the Queen herself? What's your thoughts about her as a person? 
Well, she was tremendous, wasn't she? And she gave she gave everything for what she believed in, which was the British people, I think. And now we have a king. Well, that's right, and I, I I'm sure he will do his best. <laughs> Rosemary, lovely to speak to you. Thank you. Thank you. And you've just signed the book of condolence. Um, what have you said? Well, just thanked her for a lifetime of service. She gave so much for everyone, and um, as some people say, she was like she was like your gran. Um, so it was thank you, and that's really all, really. And what's your name? My name's Caroline. And have you signed the book as well? I have indeed, yeah, absolutely. I signed it um, sort of saying, God bless, rest in peace, and thank you very much for everything. And I, I signed it for myself, but also on behalf of my mum. She's proper, really proper royalist, and she's on holiday at the moment. So she really wants to be here, but she couldn't, so it means a lot. And what are your thoughts as you reflect on the life of the Queen? I think she was amazing. I think um, she was matriarch of the country and just just the foundation of everything wasn't she for everybody um she'd be really sorely missed so rosemary and anne there both who left messages of condolence in the petersfield book so what else has been um most memorable for you this year Stephen? okay joe so i'm going to take you back almost a whole year so do you remember the cold snap we had at the beginning of january 2022 um, I just about remember it, yes. <laughs> it's a bit like the one we've just had now, but a year ago. And we took a phone call at Shine Radio one evening on the weekend from a gentleman who was living on the Broadway Park estate off the causeway. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I've been driving past that place for 20 years or so, had never been in there. And, and he said, you need to help us, please, Shine Radio, because we've got no electricity, we've got no heating, and we don't know what to do. Well, obviously, we phoned the electricity company on their behalf initially, because we've got a, a media number for them. Scottish and Southern Electricity Networks came out, and they did what they could to fix the electricity short term but it was a much bigger problem with just not enough capacity on the site for the 140 residents who lived there and we spoke to a number of residents who were really in a desperate state because their calls for help from the landlord the owner of the park were falling on deaf ears as far as they were concerned so this was uh, what we heard from mr edwards uh, on the the night when he really needed help get a generator here quickly Please, help us out. We're desperate now. It's getting bitterly cold in them places. It's not warm. It's bitterly, bitterly cold. And, you know, some of the people who live there are fortunate enough to have a family nearby. Uh, we spoke to uh, Pauline Richards. Now, her mother-in-law, Anne Richards, lives on Broadway Park, and Pauline took her out of the, the estate and took her under her own roof. I said to my husband that there was no electric again and of course it's been cold over the weekend so I just said we'll go straight up there and bring her home. I said pack some stuff and I brought her home so she's had a hot meal and nice warm house which a lot of them I just wanted to bring all the vulnerable people here but <clears throat> obviously you can't and not all the residents have got local family. But there was a happy end to this story. Uh, eventually uh, power infrastructure was brought in, generators were added onto the site and we went back and spoke to Mr Edwards again. We're on top of the world now, we've got everything back to normal. Let's hope we keep it like that. And what's the temperature like in your house? Oh, beautiful. It's about 24, so uh, we never switch it off, it just stays like it. 
It's made a big difference to us having it back because we got so cold. Nobody in the right minds would have leave a site like that. It was ridiculous. Especially how we've got a lot of illness on the site. We've took a lot of food away. But yes, we're quite happy at the moment. A happy ending to that story. And, uh, you know, we played our, our small part in that as well here at Shine Radio. Thank you so much. That's really interesting. Thanks, Joe. Hi, Laura. It's so lovely to actually see you in the flesh because normally it's online or in messaging and obviously we work closely together. So it's a joy to see you in person. And you too, Joe. And I have to tell everyone that uh, Joe writes so many of the new scripts and we are all very grateful. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> very grateful indeed. And, oh. you, and you do just go out into town and, and pick up stories wherever you can and talk to people. It's wonderful. I, I know. I think, I think half of Petersfield runs away when they see me coming now. <laughs> Um, but thank you. Um, it's a joy, you know, as as all of our team, it's, it's a real pleasure to work together with such dedicated people. And let me let you talk now. So please share, please do share your sort of highlights from the last year. So things that have struck me in the last year, I think um, one of the things was the storm that we had in spring. We're all used to having autumn storms but storm Eunice was the spring it was it was this year it was 2022 but not in the autumn and it did do massive damage to the area trees were down schools were closed and in fact here at shine radio as you can hear in the following clip you know we had to run emergency broadcasts to tell people what was happening this lunchtime storm Eunice hits petersfield That's the sound of the Force 10 winds blasting our town today. With power cuts, school closures, trees down and travel disruption, we'll update the latest information from across Petersfield and the villages. Plus, if you sail, the latest from one of our closest marinas. Also this lunchtime, why toads in East Meon are getting a helping hand. An offer to sponsor trees on the avenue in Petersfield is oversubscribed. And James Robbins looks ahead to the sports fixtures planned locally this weekend. Full details of those Petersfield stories after the National and World News. And you can hear the wind at the end of that clip, how noisy it was, even though it was being recorded inside. So that's one of the stories that struck me this year. Uh, Another one is the food bank. I think probably about a year ago, we decided to broadcast the monthly weekly list for the food bank. And in 2020, the food bank usage went up something like 550%. It was huge. And although it has come down from there, not very much. So the people that are in desperate need and use the food bank has gone through the roof. So I'm delighted that on a Wednesday, throughout the day, people hear exactly what they need that week. But even as you can hear in this following clip... Just this autumn, they needed everything. They had run out of everything. It is really desperate. This is is Petersfield, an affluent part of the country. And I find it every week, I get the email from the chair of Petersfield Food Bank, Elaine Knox, and every week my heart breaks a little bit more. Um, and as you can hear, hear in this clip, they had run out of everything that particular week. They did very well at Harvest Festival. All of the schools, also the round table, did an early Santa sleigh with a Hawaiian theme to collect actual physical donations rather than monetary donations for the food bank, which was fantastic. And they did very well out of that. And that kept them going through the autumn. But next year... 
coming into the beginning of the next year. We have a cost of living crisis. They need us. They need us more than ever. So that's something that stays with me week by week. There's a long list of needs at the food bank this week. They're after tinned soup and tinned fish, tinned fruit and tinned vegetables, pulses, long life milk, coffee and jam, savoury biscuits and pasta, sugar, oats and cereals, sweet treats and savoury treats, toilet roll and household products, toiletries in general but particularly shampoo and soap and shower gel. You can take your donations today to the Methodist Church in Station Road between 9.30 and 11.30 this morning. Otherwise you can take your donations at any time to all of the local churches, to Waitrose, Tesco, Lidl, Nationwide and the co-op in Mogsmead. And your next story... Another story I'd like to talk about is Shine Radio. Joe, you were talking about the wonderful team that we have here. We're all volunteers. We're very small. We don't have a studio, so we are quite often doing working remotely, but working together as a team. And in the Community Radio Awards last month, we won Community Radio Digital Station of the Year, which is absolutely fantastic. I think we need a clap. <laughs> Kate Fairweather's Dogs with Jobs podcast won gold for podcast of the year and Noni Needs recipe podcast won bronze in the same category. And I think that is a real credit to a very small team of volunteers. And I I think that's worth celebrating. And thank you, Petersfield, for keeping us going and listening to us. We wouldn't do it if nobody was listening. So thank you. You make it shine. Here's Harrison RB, as we know him, H, uh, collecting the award on the station's behalf at the Community Radio Awards 2022. Thank you to the people of Petersfield, because you make it shine, as we always say. This is your award for your radio station, and if it wasn't for your voices and your stories, we wouldn't be standing here. We wouldn't exist. Alistair, my lovely Alistair. Hello there. How are you? I'm living the dream as always when I (laughs) record on behalf of Petersfield Shine Radio. And again, it's a pleasure working with you because obviously we we do write and you record and and we work really, really well as a team. So it's so lovely to see you again in the flesh. It's amazing to be allowed to be out even. Um, My wife asks me what I am doing most days and it's... Quite a lot to do with Petersfield Shine Radio, but she's very tolerant. As long as I do the washing up at the end of the day, sounds, it's all good. Sounds reasonable to me. You see, I'm relatively new, uh, like Theodora, for example, to Petersfield Shine Radio. I've been with Shine Radio for about 11 months. I was looking for something to fill my time, and I have, and it was a case of meeting Stephen and Stephen giving me a microphone and saying, oh, just get out there, see what's going on. I thought I could be like the rural correspondent because I live on the way to East Meon. But my first story, which we're going to hear shortly, is about something that brought me immense joy and Petersfield too. And then it was really disconcerting, but it had a happy ending, which is all about Lorraine's topper, the first one that she put on the post box ah, at Dragon Street. Yes, very topical. I'm thinking that's a great story that she's done this and it's on and everybody says how lovely it is. And then the next day it had disappeared. So I was determined to hunt Lorraine down in the nicest possible way. And so... I contacted her via uh, social media 
and she agreed to an interview. I thought, this is perfect. So up I went, but I didn't know at the time that the topper had been found. And then I didn't know what to do with the clip after I'd recorded it. So I turned to Phil Humphreys, who very kindly edited it for me, because otherwise it wouldn't have actually been broadcastable. Well, there's a bit of teamwork there. Yeah. So let's listen to what Lorraine has to say. Chris, my hubby, went for a walk around the block at Harper State and he came back and said it was missing and I thought he was joking. I felt really upset that people were not going to see it and not going to enjoy it. Couldn't understand why somebody would do that, really, just spoil a bit of fun. And appears to have just been dropped further down the road in Dragon Streets. So the big question is, are you putting the topper back on anytime soon? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Well, that's the plan. Now I've got it back in one piece. What a great yarn. And I say very topical because, of course, coming up to Christmas, there is a new topper on the post box in Dragon Street. So I think every, all our listeners should go down and have a look at it. It is amazing. And I've been very fortunate that Rain has very kindly sent me photos every time that she's done something new. And it's always been lovely. So moving on from knitted toppers, what, what's your next? So it was an opportunity that I couldn't resist. And Stephen, again, you know, helped facilitate, which was to get hold of somebody at Network Rail to talk about the rail line closures uh, that happened earlier this year. Here I am with a Gmail account, emailing Network Rail, hoping that I can actually find somebody at Network Rail to talk to. And a guy called Chris Denham popped his head up over the parapet and said, love to talk to you. So we've set up a date and he came down to Petersfield, met outside the railway station. He gave us the full SP on what was actually going on and the reason for the upgrade to the railway line. And the bottom line is, is that he was able to lay out what was going to happen over essentially the next two years because this work is ongoing. It's a major project. It's almost £100 million of investment on the railway between Farncombe and Petersfield. And what we're doing is we're modernising the signalling equipment. So that's effectively the equipment that allows us to safely run trains. It's the signals, it's the lights on the sticks, it's the equipment you can't see behind the scenes, it's the level crossings, it's the whole shebang. And it will mean the railway is more reliable and should we be able to in future need to run more trains, we will also be able to run more trains. And what was great about it was that it actually gave you a bit of certainty as to what was going to happen in the first closure. But it meant that you would have lots of people who were going to be affected by the closures, school children coming into Petersfield, commuters having to catch coaches. And I seem to remember Phil having a contretemps almost on the railway station, didn't you? Um, and I remember the updates that we had to give because obviously things changed as we went along. The railway line will be closed at Hazelmere from Saturday, meaning disruption to passengers all week long. Buses will replace trains between Hazelmere and Havant, and your journey may take longer than usual. South of Petersfield, a revised timetable will operate between Havant and Portsmouth Harbour. Meanwhile, track equipment replacement work means closed level crossings around Petersfield in the days ahead. Petersfield level crossing will be closed from the early hours of tomorrow until late on Monday. The official diversion is via the A3 and Ramshill. And Kingsfernston Lane level crossing between Ramshill and Tilmore will be closed all day tomorrow and Sunday. Wonderful. So again, it shows the absolute importance of local updates and local community radio. Exactly. 
And what else can you tell us about? So my third is the first piece that I ever wrote. Now, one of the things that I discovered that you could do is that you could join these mailing lists on projects. And one of the first projects that I came across was putting the barriers in at the Hindhead Tunnel because the Hindhead Tunnel is the gateway to and from East Hampshire. And it's really quite important as a method of being able to get to the coast or wherever you want to be. And one of the major issues that they had been experiencing was how to close lanes safely so that their staff, uh, who go and fix the roads, aren't put in any danger. And for me, it was a challenge to look at all this gobbledygook, because it was, and put it down into just a few simple sentences. National Highways have announced that they are trialling super swift gates which automatically close off lanes in a bid to assist maintenance work at the Hindhead Tunnel on the A3. The tunnel in Surrey is the UK's longest underland road tunnel and stretches 1.8 kilometres in length and is an important gateway to and from Petersfield and East Hampshire. As well as making maintenance work more efficient, National Highways claims that the innovation will improve worker safety. In 2019, there were 14 vehicle incursions into traditional roadwork cordons, putting the lives of workers at risk. The automated gates will be installed on both sides of the carriageways and will take only five minutes to open or close. Wonderful. So again, proving how important our local voices are to bring things into simple plain English for local residents to understand. And to let them know that something's going on because the number of people's heads who turned in the first week as they saw the barriers wondering what they wear were better informed. Totally. Thank you. So I really want to say a huge, huge thank you to the team and everyone that's come here today. So we've got Phil Humphreys here. Thank you. You're welcome. We've got Alistair Knox Crawford. Thank you. We've got Steve Martin. Thanks, Joe. And Theodora Elaney. Thank you for having me. It's been great. And we've got Laura Shepherd. Thanks, Joe, And thank you, too. Thank you, my good self, too. And, of course, a huge thank you to John Walker for his time as well. And thank you all again. And, of course, to our listeners, you can listen to this show anytime, anytime, that is, on shineradio.uk. Could you be the welcoming face of a famous Petersfield hotel, bar and coffee bar? The Old Drum is now recruiting front-of-house staff to work in its historic Chapel Street premises. If you're experienced in hotel, bar or cafe work or the hospitality industry, then the Old Drum can offer you mixed shifts with sociable hours and no late nights. You'll need to be responsible and reliable. Pay is competitive. You'll be trained in barista work. And there's a choice of full or half-time roles starting in January. Contact Maria at The Old Drum for more information or send your CV to info at theolddrum.com. 